Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to Seriously, the podcast from the New Statesman that takes pop culture seriously. I'm Caroline Crampton. And I'm Anna Leskovich. This week, we're going to be talking about the social thriller Get Out and the Netflix original series Riverdale. We've also tried the mobile game Prune for the first time, so we'll be talking about how that went later in the show. Hello. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of Seriously. So, Anna, you had a big night on Friday, I understand. I had, yeah, I had a few big nights this week in Caroline. I'm a wild <laughs> child. <laughs> no, on Friday night, I went to Comic Relief because one of my friends has been working on Comic Relief. And that was really, really fun. Just like standing in a pit watching like 70 million guests slide onto Graham Norton's like extremely long couch <laughs> and like celebs bossing, which is, you know, a great pastime of ours. So you were in like the studio audience for yeah, it. Cool. Exactly. Quite drunk. Um, <laughs> but I had a really nice time. And as some listeners of the podcast may know, I was a teenage Russell Brand fanatic. So it was sort of weird and kind of fun to be stood next to Russell Brand in the pit again, reminding <laughs> me of old times. I used to try and like wiggle my way into shots and things. Yeah, so that was really, really fun. Comic Relief also brought us the much anticipated Love Actually sequel, which I watched on Friday. I kind of thought it was what you'd expect from the Red Nose Day Love Actually sequel like it had all the classic jokes like we'll relive Hugh Grant dancing along in his prime ministerial home in Downing Street but we'll also make it hotline bling to update it like <laughs> that kind of thing and lots of jokes about charity yeah it was just exactly what you'd expect yeah I didn't actually watch it yet but I did read your piece about it yes and I really enjoyed the stuff about the Colin Firth character yeah who seemingly just decides not to learn Portuguese though he's still with his Portuguese fiance from the movie and yeah he just kind of doesn't talk to his wife or children ever it seems <laughs> they have children now yeah they have two children and that there's like a scene with them in the car on the way somewhere and you know mum's saying or Aurelia is saying come on kids like let's only talk Portuguese in the car dad's still got to learn and he's just like uh <laughs> you're like you made an effort to like learn how, uh, quite a lot when you proposed yeah, so learned, did you just relax after that he learned enough her? for comic effect to do a like weird public proposal yeah and then yeah you'd got what you wanted so you stopped That's yeah <laughs> and of, sadly they killed off Bill Nye's manager which Aww. made me sad because there was just the tiniest whiff of gayness mm -hmm. in that plot line which of course means the gay character has to die yes oh that is sad yeah very sad but if any listeners want to remind themselves of the glories slash ignomies of the original love actually you can go and listen to our special episode it's on seriouslypod.com so we've had a few negative nellies on the itunes review guys 
<laughs> not gonna lie if you fancy leaving a very positive shining glowing review of these two radiant hosts please do you just go to itunes put your thoughts there you send us very nice thoughts in all your emails so please go for it yeah i feel like our inbox is a place of loveliness and then our itunes page occasionally becomes a place of horror as you know people who are not true listeners to the podcast just range free with their thoughts so you know and look we're posh we get it we, we do accept that but if you have any other thoughts <laughs> apart from that that would be great wicked okay so on to some lovely emails caroline you've got one in your hand there i do from alex in birmingham who says, I really loved your devastating evisceration of Ed Sheeran's latest album. I think a lot of you enjoyed that. This was two episodes ago now. And I agreed that the problem was not the subject matter of the problems of fame and money, but his petty and hypocritical take on it. This got me thinking of pop culture that has dealt with the subject well, and the first thing that came to mind was the Netflix animated series Bojack Horseman, which I'm not sure has been mentioned on the podcast before. If you haven't seen it, I'd highly recommend giving it a go. It's both deeply satirical and darkly funny, and deals with the damaging effects Hollywood lifestyles have on people through an absurdist lens, i.e. the main character is a horse person. So thank you very much for that. Alex, several of my friends have tried to get me to watch Bojack Horseman in the past. And several listeners, I feel, have emailed yes. in. And I've always, in my head, gone, I don't want to watch a cartoon about a horse, guys. I don't understand what the big deal is. But I feel like Alex has done a good job of explaining why people like it so much. Yeah, I've read some good stuff on it as well about how its understanding of mental health. So mm. it definitely seems like something we need to do at some point. Also, the theme tune was once exploded on the Song Exploder podcast, Ooh. which suggests that it is quality. Yes. I've got an email here from Claudine, who says some nice things up front. Apparently, we're super great. Thank you very much, Claudine. She wants us to talk about Girls Season 6. She puts, I know this is a very basic, in with a capital B, request, and a polls if you've already covered it, because I may well have missed it. But I feel like this season is doing something strange. Thus far, it's almost making me anxious how piercing it is, and it seems to be pushing in particularly tender places. I feel like there's been a shift, but I can't quite place it, and I'd love your collective analysis. Like the scene where we watch Hannah watch Adam's experience of their relationship. It's almost agonising in that we're being shown so much. I can't place it. Watching her, watching him and her, it feels a bit like accidentally seeing someone undressed through a window. <laughs> I have been following Girls Season 6 with great interest. I am a Girls fan and I loved Season 5, which was my favourite season so far. And lots of people are saying that Season 6 is the best season so far. I'm really enjoying it and yeah, would love to hear your thoughts, Caroline, if you fancy getting back into Girls. Yeah, because I haven't watched Girls since the beginning of Season 4. Mm. Not because I fell out with it or anything, just because, as things sometimes do, they drift away. Also, you know, it was on sky or something and therefore moderately difficult to track mm. down so yeah but i did really like it. i've been trying to avoid being spoiled because i do have the long-term intention of watching it again mm. so from the little snippets i have allowed myself to see it does sound really excellent well they're quite short seasons so might be worth dipping back in series five was also amazing i think mm. seasons three and four had a bit of a quality dip but five and six is great and also playing a character named paul louis we have Riz Ahmed in <gasps> Girls Season 6, so it's definitely worth checking out. On to the top item of the podcast. The first thing that we're going to talk about this week is Get Out, an American horror film written and directed by comedian Jordan Peele. Bringing themes of racism and psychological oppression to the genre, it follows Chris, Daniel Kaluuya, as he takes a trip with his girlfriend Rose, Alison Williams, to her white parents' home for the weekend. You got your toothbrush? Check. Do you have your deodorant? Check. Do you have your cozy clothes? Got that. What? 
Do they know I'm black? Should they? You might wanna, you know. Mom and Dad, my black boyfriend will be coming up this weekend. I just don't want you to be shocked that he's a black man. <laughs> I ain't never seen you like this before, bro. Meeting families, taking road trips. Don't come back all bougie, man. Come back, get your damn pants up to your damn stomach. <laughs> <laughs> This is a spoiler-full discussion. Please go and see Get Out because it's amazing. It's great. It's such great fun. There have been lots of blogs written about how you've got to go see this in the cinema without knowing what's going to happen because the collective audience experience makes it so fun. And it's totally. really good to go and yeah see with a big group of people. So with that in mind, hopefully everyone listening now has seen Get Out. Otherwise, you're just you're just ruining life for yourself and we won't be blamed. Caroline and I were going to say up top, we are two white women who went to see this movie, but we have read lots of really, really cool things by black writers. Aisha Harris wrote a blog for Slate called The Most Terrifying Villain in Get Out is White Womanhood. She says, the final subversive trick of Get Out, of course, is that beauty doesn't kill the beast. She's been referencing King Kong and other films mm-hmm. throughout this this piece. Chris makes it out alive, if now mentally scarred forever. We're used to seeing black people die first in such movies, but Chris takes his place within the horror canon as an inverse of the final girl. The final girl is always a white woman, usually a brunette, who manages to defeat the monster and save herself. She's often young and virginial and definitely not a mean girl. We're supposed to identify with her and wish for her victory. She's who Alison Williams would play if this was a typical slasher film made by a typical white filmmaker, but it's not. She's the villain, an exact incarnation of the horror of being a black person in America, which I thought was really great, the way her piece sort of picked out all the tropes of traditional horror films and was quite like precise in that way. Yes, I'm so interested in that as someone who is not at all versed in the horror genre mm. myself. I also read and really enjoyed a piece by Ashley Ford on Refinery29, which is her. which is titled How Can Jordan Peele Make a Movie Like Get Out and Have a White Wife Pretty Easily, actually. It just starts with a really great summing up of it. It says, Get Out is a modern day masterpiece. It's a psychological horror movie that takes us into the mind of a black man surrounded by liberal white people and the path to hell expertly paved with all of their faux noble intentions. Mm-hmm. Ashley is someone who I follow on Twitter and I'm quite a fan of. She, I believe, is actually in a mixed race relationship herself mm-hmm. and writes quite often about the dynamics and the problems and the joys of that. Mm-hmm. So I thought she was a really good person to critique it, really. Yeah. I also really enjoyed this piece by another black woman, Ivy Annie, in Teen Vogue. Loads of black women writing really amazingly on this film. She places Get Out in just like the general Hollywood landscape. Mm. She put, this lack of inclusion extends to the screen too, because while the stereotype that black characters die first is about as big as an urban myth as the premise of many horror movies, the fact that it has become a pretty recognisable trope to begin with is telling. That is if black characters appear at all, and while 2000's cult classic spoof Scary Movie launched a small wave of black representation in horror by skewering that, not much has changed since then. Jordan's film rightfully challenges the lack of inclusion in the horror space. So there's loads of really cool pieces out there. We also both enjoyed a listicle on BuzzFeed that was just like 22 secret things you might have missed in Get Out, which is really worth looking at because it just picks out so many little details. And I also thought the comments on that piece were amazing. Just like random people commenting like things that they'd noticed. I like have a couple here just because they were so good. Someone called Michaela Daniel comments that each of the men that were taken had a special skill set so chris was a skilled photographer um, someone else was a known jazz musician the groundskeeper is obviously an amazing runner and then at the end we see alison williams looking for ncaa players to recruit 
So it's about like appropriating black talent, mm. which is a really, really good point. Lots of other commenters commented similarly insightful things. Yeah, so just to give a slightly spoilery summary of the plot, so if you haven't seen the film, but you are inexplicably still listening and therefore don't want to see it, so you know what we're talking about. The film begins with this, you know, attractive, lovely young couple. He's black, she's white, and they're driving upstate from New York to meet her family for the first time. Mm -hmm. And they've had the conversation that I've heard black friends of mine and also so, so many people in like culture generally. The moment if you're in such a relationship where you have to say to your white partner, do they know that I'm black? Mm. Because there's nothing worse than turning up, them not knowing, and then having to pretend you're okay with their reactions. Mm -hmm. So he asks his girlfriend Rose that, and she says, no, it's fine. My dad would have voted for Obama a third time if he could. Mm. Therefore, placing you immediately in this realm of like white right-on liberals who mm -hmm. maybe aren't quite as liberal as you think. Mm -hmm. Then off they go. And then what would you say about the first 40 minutes of the film is Chris finding his feet in this very wealthy white family. There's various tensions as he discovers that they have black servants. Mm -hmm. And there are just lots of slightly off comments, yeah. right? And there are lots of slightly off things happen. He himself, like within the direct action of the movie, comments on a few things, like the fact that his phone got unplugged when mm -hmm. it wasn't unplugged before and just various little things. And all the sort of racist comments that he experiences yes. are racist in that very, very daily microaggressive way. Yeah. So people saying things that they would probably say they didn't mean to be racist. But, you know, bringing up Tiger Woods or Obama like three seconds into a conversation with the only black yeah. person at a white party. Or Rose's brother commenting on his genetic makeup and saying how good he'd be at martial arts. Yeah. Basically talking about his physical strength and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that seems yeah, so it's scary. so creepy, right? And so the whole time you're really creeped out, but you don't really know why because you don't know where it's going to go. Like, I'd heard this film before described as a, a social thriller. Mm. So I was wondering, maybe a completely new kind of horror film in the sense that the horror aspect comes from just the accumulation of all this racism. Yeah, yeah. I also was thinking maybe this isn't going to actually turn into like full-on violence or like full-on horror. But it does. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> and I think I said to you after I went to see it that I actually was less scared once the like full-on gore had begun than I was beforehand. I agree, yeah, because there's something so unsettling about the level of creepiness in that first half. When the violence comes in, it's actually, it's almost a bit of a relief mm, because it it's like vindication. This guy was right all along. He knew something really weird was going on and he, he wasn't imagining it. And then, spoiler, spoiler, spoilers, Chris does get to, like, really get some revenge, basically, which is what, obviously, you've been hoping for the whole film, even though it's a very hairy moment for a minute. Yeah, so it turns out that this white family are part of a weird hypnotist cult and each member of the family has their own role. So Rose's role is to lure young black men to the house mm -hmm. as her boyfriend. Mm -hmm. The awful, awful moment when, because she's said, oh, you know, I've never had a black boyfriend before, but my parents are going to be fine with it. And then he finds a box of photographs in a cupboard in her bedroom. I know. Which is just like the same shot over and over again with a different man. And in one case... You know, as soon as she says, oh yeah, you're my only black boyfriend, you're like, oh god where's this reveal coming i don't just, believe you yeah it was in the trailer and you're like oh no um so and it turns out that you know she's been doing this every few months bringing someone home and then they never leave because her mother hypnotizes them 
And then her dad, who's a neurosurgeon, like removes their brain and implants the brain of a horrible racist white person who wants to be young and fit again. Mm-hmm. Any black people that he that Chris has interacted with in the home are actually sort of like grandparents or family friends who have been put into these bodies as a way to like continue their lives past their sort of natural yeah. lifespan. And, and it's just that general like black lives don't matter compared to white lives kind of idea it's treating black bodies as like meat essentially isn't it Mm -hmm. and saying the mind your mind is completely irrelevant we will strip it out and we will replace it with the superior white mind Mm -hmm. and also what you said at the beginning about they're basically almost doing this to custom order aren't they like they they are seeking out black people with particular attributes because that's the one that their client wants to have you know Mm -hmm. so so chris has been picked because he's a photographer and he has a really really good eye for an image and for art because the white person who wants his body is blind and an art dealer yeah it's sort and it's playing on that language of like slave auctions Mm -hmm. and uh, one of the commenters on this buzzfeed piece we mentioned earlier noted that in a famous slave owner's speech about you know how to train a great slave they were saying you know destroy the mind keep the body which is basically what is going on in this movie too so it's like really really horrific Mm -hmm. um but so brilliantly done and the details really do make this film i think it's it's clearly jordan peele who is a comedian right this is his first this is his first feature um he's just clearly got an eye for the sort of creepy and symbolic details that can really turn a film from take it just up to a new level which i really loved yeah so he did an interview with the another round podcast in which they talked about many things but one of the things they talked about was the scene right near the end when alison williams's character she's been unveiled as creepy racist and incidentally i found her makeup look so interesting so at the beginning she's all like sun-kissed and with a fringe mm. and she's like paler. i'm just rose i can a normal like girl next door your girlfriend and then by the end she's like dead straight hair high ponytail incredibly pale mm-hmm. high cheekbones like yeah someone also noticed they put her in like colonial hunting gear at yes. the end like she's like got a white shirt and bra- and sort of khaki trousers just before the sort of final scene she's shown sitting on her laptop researching new people to prey mm. on and she's drinking a glass of milk and she's got multicolored breakfast cereal like in another bowl mm. and she picks up one like cheerio bites it in half and puts the rest of it back in the bowl and then has a drink of milk and they asked jordan on the podcast like did she just improvise that or was that like because mm. you know lots of people have commented on the symbolic like she doesn't want the white to mi- mix with the colors so yeah. the milk and the cereal and he was like no i told her to do exactly that yeah, like yeah, i yeah. knew it would be deeply creepy if she just took three sips of milk after eating half a cheerio alison williams is part of her almost brand but like her she brings that super level of control mm. and manipulation to roles which is why she's so kind of creepy as marnie when she's like in full marnie mode because she is so manipulative and can be so emotionless in certain areas. And I think Alison Williams can just deliver the word babe said with such emotional yes. detachment and like absolutely zero affection, which she does in this movie where she's like, you know, I can't give you the keys, bib. <laughs> and it's that bib that you're like, oh my God, you're a psychopath. It's all part of that like weird control and yeah, separation and manipulation that's going on. I mean, I could talk forever about this film. Me too. Um, I highly recommend listeners go and see it because it's just a text with details that you will continue to unpick for weeks afterwards. Yeah, and just to continue a seriously tradition, shout out to Dan. Daniel Kaluuya, 
from yes. Skins. Yes. We're loving all the Skins stars doing so well. He played Posh Kenneth and he also wrote some Skins episodes. So He did. And he, you know, he got criticised by Samuel L. Jackson or not criticised, but when Samuel L. Jackson made his comments about why are all these black British actors getting roles in the US? We mm-hmm. should be promoting our own talent. It was Daniel Kluwer who he picked oh. out. He said, you know, why is this guy starring in this very American Well, he was great. Movie? So. <laughs> I mean, the answer is clearly just because he's really talented. But again, it was something that Jordan Peele said in that interview. He said, you know, I wrote this movie, we got the budget for it and everything, and I was looking around, I wanted to cast who's the who's the twenty six year old black guy who can open a feature film who's like a movie mm. star. That's who mm. I want. And he was like, There just really isn't anyone. Mm. Like there's a, a couple of people, but they were a bit out of my reach budget wise and I was like, Oh so he had to be a bit more creative and obviously go abroad and look for someone. That's why. Yeah. No, and he's he's brilliant and the film is brilliant and you should also read all the brilliant pieces mm-hmm. by people who aren't white ladies like us <laughs> and go and see it. Now we're going to talk about Riverdale, which is an American teen drama based on the characters from Archie Comics. Archie Andrews and his friends Betty Cooper, Veronica Lodge and Jughead Jones investigate the disappearance of Jason Blossom, their fellow student at Riverdale High. Oh my God, Jason. Our kid is dead, Archie, and she's telling you not to say anything. I'm putting myself in. I don't know what I'm protecting. I'm doubting everything about myself, about Riverdale. The choices you're making right now, they do have consequences. Yeah, and it's a CW production, isn't it, for Netflix, which sort yes. of explains its like gossip girl, teen dramery lineage. But it's kind of part that and then part mystery because of, as you say, the Jason Blossom disappearance slash murder it's also am i right in saying been landing on netflix one episode at a Mm -hmm. time it's It's a weekly thing which really confused me because i only started watching this like last week in preparation for this episode thinking Mm -hmm. i'll watch like two or three episodes have now watched all of the ones that are on netflix haven't slept enough and actually the other night deliberately stayed up to watch the i think the seventh episode thinking it's the last one there's only seven on netflix and then i'll know what happens and i was like what no if you had to use the word mystery or teen to describe this which which would you pick i don't think i could pick because my friend got in touch with me like oh are you watching riverdale who do you think did it and i was like oh i'm watching it but so not in that way i like don't care i mean i do (laughs) want to know but only insofar as it might be one of the characters that i'm really interested in yeah i'm very much watching it like i used to watch the oc i sort of keep forgetting that this is a mystery and I don't know. Do you think Riverdale is good? Um, I don't know. Sorry, that was a long pause. <laughs> well, um, I kind of don't, even though I've watched I, so much of it. Well, there's, I think actually for me, the comparison with The O.C. is instructive. Like, right. The O.C. was an American gossipy teen drama that I consumed when I was about 15 or 16. And it was everything to me, even as I fully acknowledged that it was 
really, mm. really bad. Mm. And that's kind of how I feel about Riverdale, I think. But there's been loads of comparisons of Riverdale to Gossip Girl. And I loved Gossip Girl, but I also think that Gossip Girl was really good. Mm. <laughs> and I don't know whether it's... I actually just need to rewatch that show and realise, oh, actually, the dialogue is really bad in a fully bad way, not just in a stylized way. But for me, the scenes are so short in Riverdale. Every scene is like yes. 30 seconds long and there is no dialogue that isn't plot related and none of the dialogue sounds like anything normal people would say. I mean, obviously in teen dramas, a lot of the time, they're not really that realistic. Things like Gossip Girl in the OC, people don't speak like how most people at school speak or people in general for that matter. But for me, there's something about Riverdale that is just so crazy over the top in every area that it I'm like, is this just really bad? It really is. And I mean, anytime any female character you know, gets a speech that's longer than five words, she's denouncing someone mm. and probably using her finger and, you know, threatening someone that she's going to burn them to the ground or yeah, something yeah. like that, you know. And I do love that kind so of thing. So do I, but it, even for me, it got a bit repetitive. A yeah, and I think there are moments like product placement that really hit mm -hmm. you in the face where you're like whoa and like when they're trying to be right on about things they're like so right on about it like there's a whole episode about like almost revenge porn sort of yes. thing where they're like like putting shaming yeah. yeah there's a great line in that episode betty's mother says someone says to her do you know what slut shaming is and she goes yes it's when little sluts get shamed for it <laughs> which i really liked when they're a little bit more edgy i think it is funny but a lot of the time it's very much like hey you can't do that and like i don't know i can't quite put my finger on what this weird amalgamation of several different kinds of show is yeah that said i am still watching it avidly mm. i think part of the reason i'm watching it is because of the aesthetic and the costumes mm -hmm. as is standard for a teen drama everyone in it is beautiful mm -hmm. but they're not all beautiful in like your classic glee way so for instance cheryl blossom who twin of of Jason who is disappeared and murdered is the head cheerleader but she's not like a kind of blonde preppy girl no she has really long red hair and she likes to dress like something out of Northanger Abbey yeah she's kind of like a dramatic almost like 40s lip and wave yeah kind of figure but yeah I wish they dressed Veronica better because I like her mm. a lot but her clothes are really bad they're like trying so hard to make her like Blair Waldorf but it's just yeah. not working because it doesn't have the same level of outrageousness so it's a strange show I also have watched a lot of it and probably will continue to mm. so listeners thoughts help us understand this strange program <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So last week, I picked Prune from our listener recommendations, a mobile game for Anna to have a go at. Anna, how did you get on with it? Yeah, it's very, very aesthetically pleasing. Did you play it too? I did, and... I downloaded it, played it intensively for three days and then had to undownload it because I wasn't doing anything else. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. So you got fully addicted? I got fully addicted. I enjoyed the aesthetics. So the the premise of the game is that you basically grow a tree and then you have to grow it sort of around different obstacles so you prune branches off to make other branches grow longer and certain patches of light give you extra growth but certain patches of heat or walls will stop you from growing so you have to find it's sort of like an obstacle course but with a tree that you grow through the obstacle course i liked it very much but and it is i found it soothing i think Mm. is the word but i also was like this is a video game where you grow a tree like I did get a bit bored. <laughs> yes, that is true. And I also kind of raced through it. It doesn't have that many levels. And I sort of raced through it and then finished it and then was like, oh, yeah, that's it really. I didn't, although I enjoyed the graphics, I didn't enjoy it as much as um, Monument Valley and other things like that that we did that had a bit more character. Yes, I think Monument Valley just had more content full stop. Like mm-hmm, it had characters, definitely. it had more puzzles and it had yeah just more of a story just felt a bit like cheekier in some way yeah whereas i think prune definitely has taken some things from the kind of monument valley success the music is quite similar actually Mm -hmm. and the sound effects and stuff but yeah very simple aesthetic yeah but it doesn't have quite the level of story or involvement yeah or personality maybe but yeah it was a great recommendation and it's still it's really fun to play because i don't i don't have like a video game console so it's really fun when we get recommended these mobile games on seriously so next week for you i've found another one from the recommends pile Mm because this is a really enjoyable way of doing recommends so we had an email from joanna who recommended a graphic novel called Becoming Unbecoming. And it just really stood out from the pile because I don't know whether Joanna just described it really well or whether it is just a really interesting, strange concept. But it's a graphic novel apparently about a series of like really horrible murders that happened in West Yorkshire. But it's really good. I just think it sounds very interesting. And we haven't done a graphic novel for a little while on Seriously, and we do love doing them. We haven't. And I'm excited to try it. Uh, I feel like mobile games and graphic novels both fall into the category of things I like when people tell me to do them yeah. that I never find for myself. <laughs> yeah, I don't have enough like inherent knowledge of the form slash genre, but when people recommend it, it's great. So hopefully you'll enjoy. Thanks for listening to this episode of Seriously, the pop culture podcast from the New Statesman. If you enjoyed the show, why not subscribe to make sure you never miss another episode? We're available in all the usual places you get podcasts, including iTunes. At our website, seriouslypod.com, you can find all our back episodes, plus our specials on Home Alone, Gilmore Girls, Harry Potter, Love Actually, and Friends. We're available many other places on the internet, including on Twitter, Facebook, and Tumblr. We're Seriously Pod on all of them. We're going to be announcing new events very soon, so make sure you're following to be the first in line for tickets. 
We love getting your recommendations for things we should feature or just hearing your thoughts on what we've discussed. Get in touch on social media or email us on seriouslypod at gmail.com. And if you feel strongly that more pop culture needs to be taken seriously, spread the word and tell your friends and family about the podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. 